Rav is an incredibly important character in the in the Gemara. He's from the first generation of Amoraim, the, the the generation of authors of the Gemara, the people who participated in the, in the Talmudic debate, um, and and therefore he bridges that period between the Tanaim and the Amoraim, between the Mishnah and the Gemara. Uh, he went to Eretz Israel. He went from Babylon to Eretz Israel, where he studied under Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, who was the editor of the Mishnah, who put the Mishnah all together. And uh, he was a student there together with his friends, Shmuel and, and Rabbi Yochanan and Levi. There was a whole group of that first generation of Amoraim. Rav then came back to Babylon and started the yeshiva of Sura, which became the yeshiva in which really a, a fortune of the Talmud was developed. Uh, the yeshiva lasted for 800 years after he founded it. Uh, so Rav is important, and we learn a lot in the Gemara from Rav himself, but also a lot from his Talmidim, his own students. And on our piece of Gemara on Lamed Bet, Amud Bet, we have the case of Rav Natan Bar Abba, um, one of the uh, great students of Rav, who says, Omar, uh, he says this, Omar Rav, in the name of Rav. Notice that the, when the Gemara introduces this, he had says, Ve'amar Rav Natan Bar Abba, and Rav Natan Bar Abba said, indicating that this is a follow-on from what came earlier, and we'll have a look at that in a moment. What did Rav say? He reports to us something that Rav said. Remember, Rav was also the person we learned only a few days ago. How Rav said, The person should never withhold himself from going to the Beis Medrash because, as he, Rav taught us, that, that learning is a, an organic evolution of thinking and one needs to participate in that evolution, in that development. It's not static. You can't just look it up and see it and read it. It's not informational. And he said that he was in the Beis Medrash one day when um, Rabbi, Rabbi, his, his Rabbi, Rabbi Yudah Anasi, was teaching and he, and he taught an idea. Um, and that the next, and his friend Levi was there as well. And the next morning, he, Rav, was in the Beis Medrash, but Levi wasn't. And in the morning, Rabbi Yudah Anasi changed his mind. He retracted and withdrew from what he'd said the whole day. Clearly, the, the whole night, his mind was working, and he continued developing. And in the, in the next morning, he took his students through the thinking and showed them how his thinking had evolved, and therefore what he said last night was no longer applicable. He had developed it further and changed his mind. But Levy, who was not there, uh, didn't have the opportunity to hear that, and therefore Levy got stuck in an old paradigm and wasn't able to evolve together with his Rebbe. This is the same Rav we're talking about. And Rabbi Natan Bar Abba tells us in the name of Rav, Atirei Bavil Yordei Gehenom Heim. The wealthy people of, of, Gehenom, of, of, Bavil, of Babylon are going to go to Gehenom. They're going to go to hell. Why? Um, the, the reason, says, says Rashi, quite amazingly, is She'enam Rachamim La'asot Tzedakah. And it's in this Rashi that the Matmon of today lies. Because Rashi doesn't say they're going to go to Gehenna because they don't give tzedakah. Rashi carefully adds, that tzedakah that they give, the charity that they give, is transactional. It doesn't come from an inner place of rachamim, of empathy and mercy and kindness. That's not what's motivating the tzedakah. It's externally motivated. They see a poor person, they feel guilty, they act. It, it doesn't come from an inner place of empathy and connection and, and kindness. Um, and that's why they're going to go to, to Gehenna, says, explains Rashi. Ki the Shabtai Barmerinus, the same, this is like the case of Shabtai Barmerinus, Ikla Lebavil, he came to Babylon by Minayu Iska. 
and he wanted to do some business with them. And he asked them to help him out. He was a, a new immigrant. And he asked them to give him some merchandise which he could go and sell and share the profits with them. They didn't help him. Mizone, he then became poor and he asked for support. They also didn't give him support. Omar, he said, Hani and this, this Shabtai Bar Marino said clearly, these wealthy people in Babylon come from the Erev Rav, from, they are descended from those Egyptians who joined the Jewish people as they came out of Egypt, but they're not, they're not inherently Jewish, they're not descended from Avraham. Because it says, Hashem will give you mercy and will um, have mercy on you. If a person shows mercy to, to humanity, you know he's from Avraham Avinu. And if a person doesn't show mercy, you know he's not from the, the descendants, he's not a descendant of Avraham Avinu. And Rashi says it's not just, just Avraham, it's the Avot. But we talk about Avraham, um, because it's, it's about Abraham, as the Masha explains, Abraham, the, the concept of, of chesed and tzedakah and, and rachamim is, is specifically mentioned. Uh, and in fact, Abraham was the, uh, the one who introduced, not, I don't think the idea of tzedakah, but, but was the person who introduced tzedakah as coming from a place of empathy and, um, and concern and love of the other human being and not just being something uh, purely transactional and the, um, uh, the the idea the understanding of that is a little bit as we discussed in the Marcheshvan Shiur of this, this Shabbat uh, and that is that what nourishes us is not the physical object just as it's not food only that, that nourishes us it's called Mutsapi Hashem it's, it's everything that Hashem gives us we can be nourished by spiritual things yes we do need phys- a physical vehicle uh, but it's not the physical alone that has to nourish us. We can be nourished by spiritual things. We can be nourished by emotions. So when you give a poor person a coin, it's not the coin that nourishes him. It's the kindness and the sympathy with which you give it to him. And to just transactionally give him the coin is just giving him a, a, a part of it, but not the real essence of the interaction. The essence of the interaction is human connection. And that's what sustains him. That's what keeps him going. We talked in the Shabbat Shir about the month of Marcheshvan and how it's the month of the Scorpio. And the scorpion is able to extract the essence of food and only to eat a very small amount and to be able to live on that for 6 to 12 months. That's because he accesses the essence. And the essence of an act of charity is not the coin. The essence of the act of charity is the connection, the kindness, the rachamim with which you give it. The coin is just the vehicle with which you deliver something intangible. And, and think of it as the same as a, a, a man stands under the chuppah and he's mekadish, a woman. It doesn't matter. He gives her, he gives her the ring, let us say. Uh, it's not the ring that initiates her love. It's not the ring that, that, that stimulates her love. It's the love with which he gives her the ring. If he just gave her the ring transactionally and felt nothing and she felt no energy of love coming from him, that wouldn't sustain her. That wouldn't satisfy her. It's not the transaction. It's the emotion that underpins the transaction that is what is really nourishing. Yes, we do need something physical as well. We can't just give people love and and 
kindness and care. You can't be nourished by that either. There needs to be something physical, but it's that merging, that synthesis of a physical delivery vehicle that is delivering something spiritual, something emotional, something human. That is what nourishes. And the people of Bavel uh, are people who, as Rav commented, it's not because they didn't give tzedakah. Rashi doesn't say they're going to go to Gehenim because she'enan osim tzedakah, they don't do tzedakah. Clearly they gave charity. That wasn't the issue. But their charity lacked soul. Their charity had no, no soul to it. It was physical, it was transactional, and for that they go to Gehenim because people who go to Gehenim are people who live the physical life without soul. There's nothing left of the soul to, to be sustained, and so it, it just goes to Gehenim. It's, it's through nourishing our soul and infusing soul into everything we do that we're actually able to nourish ourselves and, and other people. And what's interesting is that this um, statement of, of um, uh, Natan Barabe, in the name of Rav, comes following on a very technical halachic statement that also Rav Nasan Bar Abba said in the name of Rav, and that is Mochatim etaptila beyomtuv. A very simple halacha that if you have a candle, let's say, and the wick is, is, has become blackened at the top and therefore the light is not bright anymore, you can remove that black part of the wick so as to increase the light. Um, and this following the fact that, that right after that we have the law not the law, the statement of Rav Nathan Bar Abba in the name of Rav about the wealthy people of Bavel going to Gehenim. That's not just coincidental, and it's not just because we happen to be dealing with material from Rav Nathan Bar Abba Amarav, so the Gemara just dumps everything that he said in this place. No, there is a much deeper conceptual connectedness and context for the way the Gemara moves from topic to topic. And the idea is what Rav Nassan Bar, Bar Abba is te- telling us is that when Rav used to teach that dry technical law about mochatim, that you may remove the blackened part of the candle in order to increase its light, he used to also teach us about the laws of tzedakah and how you can increase the light of the poor person by removing the blackness, the darkness, the heaviness from his life. And you do that not just with the act of giving tzedakah, you do that with the love, the kindness, and the care with which you give that tzedakah. And so we see from, the, from Rav Natan Bar Abba how Rav taught, that he didn't just teach dry halakha, that when he taught a, taught a halakha, he extracted a life principle from the halakha and made it Torah Chaim. This is about how you live. It's not just about cutting the, the edge of a, of a wick on, on, on Yom Tif. That's just a concept, and he uses that concept as a metaphor for the way people have to in, interact with each other and, and work with each other. Uh, and then he goes on to say further that talking about darkness, he says sometimes darkness comes about through one's own approach and attitude to life. One who constantly looks at one's competitors and tries to imitate them, and tries to take from their table, so to say. doesn't say that he eats at the table of others. He says he watches, he looks at the tables of, of others, and he does what they do, and he wants what they've got. Such a person, he is living in darkness. He's created the darkness himself. This is a principle I teach in business over and over and over again. 
that one has to look at oneself and one's own unique capacities and capabilities in order to establish one's differentiation both as an individual and as a business. Not to keep on looking at, at competitors. The very idea of competitive advantage is a concept of mitzapel shulchan achirim. You don't have a life if you're constantly focusing on competitors and what advantage have I got over my competitors. Look at yourself and what value you can add to the world, value that others can't add to the world because they're not you. That's light. That's when you really light up the world. But if you're just watching other people, you darken the world. And Avchista adds, who is also a Talmud of Rav, also a student of Rav, Av chayav chayim. It's not just that he lives in darkness, but his life is not working, is not worth working, not worth living. Tanur Rabban and, and, and Rav Chista seems to bring a, a brisa to support that. And again, probably Rav. This was probably all of Rav's shiur. When Rav taught that simple din at the top of the page uh, about mochatin, about, um, about cutting the wick, all of this, he brought all this richness of life into his teaching. And he taught that Gimel Chayehem Enan Chayim, there are three groups of people whose life is not life. Life. One of them is Mitzapel Shulchan Chavero. One of them is, is one who's always looking at his competitors, at his friend's table, and not looking inwards. Umishi Ishto Moshelet Alav. And somebody whose wife rules over him, and the Ben um, says that means that, he, that she supports him. Uh, that's what Moshelet Alav means, because if she wasn't supporting him, how would she rule over him? She rules over him because she controls the purse strings. And that doesn't mean that there isn't a place for the Kolel model, where for a period of time a young man's learning Torah, and, and his wife is willing to, to work and to support him. Uh, that's the way that the Torah is learned, and, and, and that's an important model. But what's Im- what is also important is that we don't set that up as an, as an ideal. That's not an ideal. If a man goes through his life and his wife is the breadwinner and supports him and pays the checks and she's Moshelet Alav, that way she rules over him, that damages his male ego and his male ambition and his male drive gets damaged as a result of that. And that's not a life. Umishi Yasuri Moshelim or somebody who's wracked by pain and is, is, whose body is ruled and dominated by pain. And so all of those things are situations where one's life is not worth living either because your body is dominated by pain or because your life is dominated by your wife uh, in, in terms of financial control um, or because your life is dominated by your competitors who you're always looking at and comparing yourself to and never establishing yourself as, a, um, as an independent person. The Mashal talks about this element of mercy that when we feel mercy for another person, that's a God-given gift. It's not natural for human beings to empathize with strangers. It's not natural for people to feel the pain and the suffering of another and to put their hands into their pockets and give tzedakah. That feeling of sympathy and empathy is a gift of Hashem. And the Mashal explains that that was part of David HaMelech's prayer in Tehillim. Maher yekadmunu rachamecha. Be merciful of us even before we we're merciful to the to the poor people. Um, give us the power, give us the opportunity to show rachamim, to show empathy and mercy to to poor people. So Hashem communicates with us through intuition. Hashem doesn't communicate us through oral words. We're not we're not prophets. Hashem communicates to us through intuition, as we learned recently, that, that when an individual has a positive feeling about investing in an opportunity, that very often is Hashem, is, uh, Hashem communicating, as Uncle is translated, 
Hashem gives you the eights or gives you the idea to, to take certain steps in business. Sometimes those intuitive ideas are the ones that really deliver the value because the idea comes from Hashem. That's how Hashem communicates. He doesn't communicate through our fear instinct. When you have an instinctual fear and insecurity, that's not Hashem. But when you have a higher level, intuitive sense um, that could be Hashem communicating. And when you feel mercy for a poor person, and out of that mercy comes an act of tzedakah, that's a gift from Hashem. Hashem has communicated with you, helped you, enabled you to feel that, and you should know that not only are you helping the poor person, but at that moment you're in communication with Hashem himself.